everybody. Welcome to the Book Leads Impactful Books for Life and Leadership. I'm your series host and leadership performance coach, John Germillo. And this podcast series is about me getting to the books that have impacted the lives and the work and the businesses, the attitudes of people in my network, whether it's connections I've had for a long time, recent connections, friends, colleagues, whoever it may be. I believe these are all great leads to get to those books that have actually and impactfully um, kind of dictated the way that they they do their work. It kind of guides their their hand in, in everything they do. So I want to know which books those are. So in this series, I cover three types of books. Uh, the first category is a book that they're sharing with me that I haven't read. The second category, one that we've both read, whether specifically for the series or in our lives outside the series. And then the third category is where I speak to authors and or publishers about the books that they're putting out, where they want to share the message of who they are, what the message is in the book, and they want to share that with this audience. So for this episode, my guest will be Connor Delaney. And Connor is the Director of Membership at Impact. An innovator at heart, Connor is always bringing new ideas to the table and challenging the norm to find better solutions for both the teams and communities he is a part of. If you ask him, he combines his passions for education and marketing to empower others to meet their business and revenue goals and loves building unforgettable experiences through groundbreaking industry events and engaged, passionate communities. In his free time, you'll find Connor watching the Yankees game, reading a new book, or out hiking trail, hiking a trail on his next adventure. And Connor and I had met when he interviewed me for board membership to the American Marketing Association Connecticut chapter. We didn't get to work together. It kind of overlapped. I think that interview was kind of just the, the extent of our working on um, anything that had to do with the chapter. But obviously, just from the conversation, we connected, stayed in touch. I see what he posts on LinkedIn, and I believe he's one of these very thoughtful people on LinkedIn. It's not He's not just somebody sharing, um, you know, this is our business. This is what we do. This is what we can get um, results for you. Uh, I think he's very thoughtful in what he does. I think he's considerate of what he shares with people and what it might get um, for them as results. And this isn't the first time I've spoken to Connor on this particular episode. He was on episode 12 where he introduced me to the book, They Ask You Answer, A Revolutionary Approach to Inbound Sales, Content Marketing, and Today's Digital Consumer by Marcus Sheridan. And the gist of that book is you know, what we do for customers. Um, not waiting for them to come to us asking questions, but really studying them and, and making it as easy as possible or as efficient as possible for them to get to what it is they need, providing resources so that it lightens the decision-making process for them. And I think that's kind of what Connor does in his posting where he's kind of putting things out there that you don't know that you need. Um, <laughs> so, and Connor, just in reading about uh, They Ask You Answer and your posting on social, I just came up with that kind of association. But I think that is what I appreciate about what you put out there, where it's not just sharing. It's not just um, a quick blurb. It is very thoughtful. And I think it is really is putting out there what people might not know they need or might not know to look for. So thanks for being here again. Yeah, yeah I'm super happy to be here, John. And I think you did a really nice job like explaining that, too. You know, my goal in interacting with people on, on LinkedIn and any platform really is they probably they probably have a general sense of like a maybe a surface level problem, a surface level idea. And what comes from they ask you answer when we chatted, but really in any conversation, it's like, how do we get to the root 
problem? How do we get a little bit under the surface and start to dig a little deeper? Um, and, and that's where those aha moments, the light bulb moments happen is when you can get a little bit deeper and say, I actually know what's causing that surface level problem. I have a better feel for it. And um, I'm glad that that's resonated with you too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just in discussing that first book in episode 12, I mean, anybody that listens to that conversation understands its value because in so many instances, I've asked people to consider when I'm working with students about going into the professional world, graduating the, um, their leadership, that it starts on day one. Uh, I, I get them to think about what is it that you can provide for people? What What is the experience you're providing for people? So I have several presentations where a lot of it is the experience. I've written yeah. about the experience, you know, not, not the same as the way Marcus does and that the way you've explained sure. it to me, obviously it's a different kind of industry where there are customers there, but it's the same kind of mindset where, you know, just think about the best experiences you've had in a store where somebody just answered the question that you asked and that was it. It was kind of like, you know, you know, end scene that's over or you ask a question and then they answer it, but then they're like, but did you also think of this? Did you consider this? Did you consider that maybe there's a better option over there in that store with that, with that service provider over there? It's just, they're really taking somebody on an experienced journey. So, I mean, that was my takeaway from it. And talking to you about that book at that time kind of uh, empowered my, my belief in that the importance of uh, what you create for a customer of any type, whether a customer, a client, a relationship you may have, what is it that you're creating for that experience? So I appreciate that conversation. Yeah. And always thinking about, you know, the difference between, you know, I think about the example I always like to use is if I was going to go buy a TV today, most people are going to go online. They're going to probably search for, you know, best TVs with these specs and they do all their homework and they do it all themselves. They don't always have to have a salesperson that tells them everything that the salesperson wants them to know. It really brings that unbiased approach. But mm -hmm. the difference that a business can make is you can be an unbiased, honest, you know, source of truth for that customer for what they need. They're going to value trust in that sales process, even in their their learning experience. The more that they can learn up front, you know, if I was going to go to let's go to Best Buy today and go buy a TV, I'm going to do all my homework ahead of time so I can walk in and say, do you have this model? I already yeah. know what I want. And then your job, to your point, John, could be, have you studied these? Like, have you looked at these other ones? They're very similar. Want to make sure that you get the right thing. Mm -hmm. It's all about helping the customer make the best decision for them and make an educated decision for them. And when they do that, it's all the powers in their hands, but you've been guiding them along yeah. the way. And they just make that final decision. And more often than not, it's going to be the decision with the brand they trust. Yeah. And it, it's funny because right now I'm reading uh, Think Again by Adam Grant. Oh, I've got it up on my uh, on my bookshelf. On yeah. The so <clears throat> a specific section I was um, reading last night had to do with um, the ov overall, the book is about this kind of theme, but he was going into the specifics of how everything is black and white, that there's no in between. And that's what the problem is. Like when you tell people this is this and they think that's that, the problem is there's no gray area or you don't present right. that there's a gray area. So yeah. part of what he says, and, and it's amazing how his writing kind of spells out like little ideas that we may have had, but the way he puts it is beautiful where it's kind of like, 
you can't just paint it as your side, my side. There are shades in between. So you have to build trust and say, you know, I don't have all the answers or my product right. isn't perfect or wherever it may be. And that, like what you said, giving them the information, building up a little trust puts the power in their hand that they don't like when you're telling them what they need to hear or what they should take away. So all of those things are so connected. Right. And think about what happens when, like, who are they going to hear it from if it's not you? It's everyone else they could buy from. So yeah. the quicker you can get in front of them. And to your point, like, there could be option A and option B. Very often there's this option C that plays in the middle. And it may not do everything that A does or everything that B does. But if you give them the holistic view, they're going to make a better decision. And even if they don't go with you, I think this is a really important part of they ask you answer. There can be two different, if you do it right, there's two options when someone doesn't, they're not the right fit to work with you, which is a huge part of that too, is the educated decision could be that they're not the best customer for you. They're yeah. either going to say, I know I'm not the right fit, but I appreciate everything you did. And that could be a referral engine when someone says, you know, they use a pool company in the book a lot as Marcus helps yeah. run rigor pools. Um, if someone needs a fiberglass pool, if even if I don't, my neighbor might, and I want to send them that way. Yeah. Or they say, okay, so how do I become someone who wants to work with you? And they start doing the legwork to be a better fit because they trust you. That yeah. can happen a lot when you do that right. Yeah, that's what I've that's what I've shared with students as well when it comes to marketing. Like the the old way of doing marketing where it's kind of like I'm trying to get business for myself. To me, I don't look I can't look at it that way. That's a residual effect. Yeah. Um, I'm always considering the person that I'm speaking to that uh, it's not just me and them, but I'm thinking about their network, what mm -hmm. the value that can ripple into their network. And I'm thinking of my network. So it's all about those connections and impression that you make. I was just on the phone with a, a finance representative yesterday and I was looking for a product that they didn't offer. We went through this long kind of walk around of, of, Oh, so this is what you need, John. This, this is what mm -hmm. I'm thinking. This is what would benefit you. And at the end it was like, but we don't offer that. I'm like, all right. And I wasn't mad because I could tell, you know, I wasn't impatient or anything because I could tell that he was very curious about what it is that I needed. And I told him, I'm like, listen, even though I don't need the product that you have right now, I'll keep you in mind for anybody else that I, I come across because I just, I like the way that uh, I like your demeanor. I like your approach. And I put it just like that because I think people need to hear when they provide that kind of experience. I need, I think they need to hear um, the impact that they make, that even if they don't get the sale in the moment, keep it up because that kind of value, you can't train that. Right. You know what I mean? And this guy yeah. just had, he, he, he had, um, the words to use, but you could tell in his voice, um, or, you know, maybe he was just perfect at acting, whatever <laughs> it may be. He was cognizant enough to, to provide all the options and just say, Oh, we just don't do that. But just that experience, I'm going to remember, uh, yeah. There was no frustration. There was no impatience. There was no, um, he wasn't heavy on the sales tactic tactics. So if I have somebody that I know that needs that product, I mean, I have his information handy. Right. And you know, the word that you said that I think will resonate so much with that message is curious. Like if you're genuinely curious, people feel like you want to listen to them, that you want to hear them out, which actually is going to transition well into the book we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, genuine curiosity can mean so much to someone, especially in a potential sales situation 
when it and you can tell they're not going strictly by a script, which we'll say positive intent there that they're yeah, genuinely yeah. interested in what you do, John. Um, the more that they can be just like and it allows you to be more present in the conversation. You're not looking over at your script. You're not looking at what the next question could be. You're thinking I want to learn more about what they do and and you dig down deep and then that gives you the feeling that you had at the end of it which was I appreciate you taking the time and you know I have a there was a client I spoke to a couple of weeks ago they're a concrete leveling company and they were looking at working with us and wanting to do more and I asked a lot of questions about them and their response was I'm leaving with more things our team needs to be thinking about mm-hmm. than I than like answers we have in a good way like you dug deeper than even we have. And that tells us that we have more work to do before we maybe come back. But they said like, that would be a reason we want to have a conversation. Like give us two weeks. We're going to work really hard to get back to where we want to be. That's the kind of thing that curiosity brings is they start thinking about things differently because you're asking the right questions at the right time. Yeah, exactly. So again, they ask you answer that first book that I covered with uh, Connor in episode 12. And then the other book I mentioned, Adam Grant's Think Again. Just um, they play into those conversations. So if if for anybody listening or watching, we highly recommend those books. But Connor, in terms of you, who are you today? Um, Obviously, I want to know who I know who you are. We've (laughs) spoken before. If, If somebody hasn't listened to the first episode, episode 12 with you, can you tell us a little more about the work that you do these days that um, that you deliver to your clients? Yeah, it's um, it's funny. I wear a few different hats. So boiling it down, my job is to we're building our own membership platform at Impact. Um, it's called Impact Plus, and my job is to help that community and the members within it maximize the platform they have. It's a mix between a LMS, a learning management software, a community slash like mastermind area where there's public community forums and then private masterminds that get together every month. Um, And so my job is to take everyone who signs up to that platform and empower them to maximize the the tools that they have so that they can implement they ask you answer. Um, So impacts a coaching and training company, I help with more on the DIY side, which is really cool. You know, impact has what I would say is two core customers, they have the people who want to work with our team of coaches and trainers. They want to have what we call the white glove treatment. It's a little more expensive, but it's really dives into how do you implement this? And it's, it's basically how do we make sure you're successful? And then we've started to really focus on the DIY audience. And so in right, right around January, 2020, we started building this platform from scratch. It's all custom built because we knew the tools we needed, the system we wanted to create, the vision that we had. And so we started building this platform and in a way I became the face of that platform, helping members to not only feel welcomed and feel excited because you'd go into a new place. It's kind of like walking into an event where you don't know anybody. It can be kind of a daunting experience. Mm -hmm. So not only helping them feel comfortable, but also helping them get value out of it. Um, They ask you answer as an approach. If anyone in your audience reads it or listens to it, it sounds really simple, but simple doesn't mean easy. And so my goal is within the platform, the courses we provide, the event content we create, everything should cater to the audience actually being able to implement and do it and find success within it. Um, And again, a lot of my focus is on that DIY audience and in a way a support for them, but also a little bit of like strategic advice, working really hands on with as many members as I can every single day. 
Connor, how did your career path start? Whether it was school, family, relationships, what what was it that put you on your path uh, into your career? Not specifically to now, because you never know when you're starting sure. where you're going to end up. But what did that path look like for you? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start back in high school, I guess, and I'll I'll do the sped up, you know, Spark Notes version of it. But, <laughs> um, started in the restaurant space started as like a busser waiter manager kind of like did a little bit of everything at a local restaurant and what that really taught me is like i really i was quieter shy kid but it taught me that i really enjoy building those relationships with people and it gave me a ton of reps to go and meet people learn how to talk to them and you know going from super shy and quiet to becoming more outgoing and outspoken and and even just more confident there was so much I learned and I was there for on and off four and a half years. And that just gave me so many opportunities to not only meet great people, but to, to interact with so many folks that were repeat customers and, and just learn the importance of like, if someone has an exceptional experience, they're going to remember that and want to mm-hmm. do it again. And for a restaurant, that's obviously repeat customers are a great thing. Um, yeah. But as, from meeting great people, someone that was a regular customer and had actually worked with me when I started there, was a HR rep at BIC, the pens and the lighters and and their corporate office is in Connecticut. And they came in one night to get, I picked up a shift. It's just, it's one of those like happen. Right like, place, you know, right universe time. was doing something, right? Yeah. And, and they came in to grab dinner and I was working and they said, what are you up to this summer? Um, I was a sophomore in college, not expecting to get internships yet. And she came in and said, hey, I've got this customer analytics role um, at BIC. And I'm like, Ooh, BIC, like that's a big name company. That sounds really cool. Um, and she said, you should apply. Like she could vouch for me from like a work ethic and, you know, just had seen me work for years and years and years and said, you should go apply. And I don't know, a month or two later, um, I get a call from their HR team that, you know, I'd gone through, it was like six interviews. I was, you know, shaking every single time that I did it, all that stuff. And it felt like, oh, this will be cool experience. I got a couple interviews and I got a call from the hiring manager that said, hey, you've got the job. And um, it was one of those, like, I literally teared up moments. Like, I can't believe this just happened. And so went there for three months. And at the end of three months, you know, the end of the summer, um, they asked if I could stay on. And so I stayed on that team. I helped build out some of the future programs and showed an interest in innovation. And then the next summer comes around and I start working on an innovation team, which had a lot more to do with like emerging products, emerging markets, and um, really got to learn like the ins and outs of managing a brand. Um, So it went from customer analytics being more the sales side, more the performance side to now like go to market strategies, PR, um, branding, all of those things. So I started to get a little more well-rounded at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, which gave me the perspective of like, do I want to be in corporate or not? And at October, I guess, October of 2018, um, I decided to go separate ways and go explore it. One, finish college, go have fun with that. Um, But because of that, you brought up the American Marketing Association in the intro. Um, I had been running our collegiate chapter um, at Central Connecticut State University and was building that out. We'd done really well my junior year of school. We won a a regional award. Um, And then my senior year, we really wanted to ramp it up. And that's where Impact starts to come in. So I had made a few connections at Impact. They were alumni at Central, Um, not only the CEO, but right now our 
Um, she runs all of our services teams. I knew a few people over there and we ran a really big event, really started to get connected with them and, and just started to be really interested in the agency space and learning what, what like client services looks like. Um, being very used to being in corporate, you learn mm -hmm. the, the pros and cons of each. Yeah. Um, but I got really excited about the idea of like, maybe one day I'll get to work at Impact. So graduate from college, the American Marketing Association did really well our last year. We were a top five collegiate chapter in the country, which was pretty darn cool. Um, so I graduated, spent a few months, jobs weren't really coming around. Um, and you know, that's obviously a great feeling when you're just sitting there feeling like you're at the top of your game and then nobody wants to talk to you. Um, <laughs> and I got invited to this event called Impact Live, which was Impact's annual conference. It was like a week long. It was in Hartford. It was a thousand people. Um, and it was happening August of 2019. And the CEO of Impact, Bob Ruffalo, reached out and said, hey, do you want to attend? I'd love to have like you and a few of the students that you worked with to come and join us. And then he said, so what, how's Bic? How, like, what have you been up to? And I said, I'm actually, I'm no longer there, blah, blah, blah. And he, I might, I'm probably lagging a little bit here, John. No, 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 not at all. Bit, not because, because um, I don't think you went into this kind of detail in the last episode. So I think yeah. there's like new well, things Well, I like that to bring sharing. it up because it's one That's of those fun. things like I, uh, so I'll wrap up getting to impact and then I'll talk a little bit about that. But long story short, there's a content trainer opportunity at impact. And Bob said, hey, you should apply. It's good experience even to just learn what Impact does. Checked enough boxes where I got the opportunity to join the team. And my first day was that event at Impact Live 2019 and getting oh, okay. to, um, you know, experience the scale of what they were trying to build and the and the movement they were working to create with a thousand people all in the same room learning from people like Marcus, um, the author of the Ask You Answer and other speakers in, in the inbound marketing industry, you know, Brian Halligan and Darmesh Shaw from HubSpot, their co-founders got to come and join. And it was just cool to see the the larger scale. But I think the thing that always comes back to me is I didn't get the reason I got a job at the restaurant is because I knew the owner. My dad had been on a board of directors with him. And then I found my next job while working there. And then I got my career opportunity coming out of school from connections that I'd made. And it's kind of that story that everyone says, like the people, you know, are going to help you move in your career kind of thing. <laughs> but it's like to a T, like every opportunity I've gotten is through relationships and connections that I've made. And it, it built up all the opportunities I'll have hopefully in the future too, is just continuing to build that network, building the people that you know, and keeping in touch with them too. I mean, like you said, John, we had one interview and now it's a few years later, we're still in touch, still chatting and hopefully, you know, continuing to work together and do stuff like this. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just a realization for me after college. I'm glad you have that realization now. So yeah. young, <laughs> yeah. much younger than me, but, but they're, they're, there's just so much to relationships and you know, you mentioned how you used to be on the quieter side and then you became yeah. more outgoing. Same with me. Although mine was like later in life that I, you know, you just realize what your value is. You should put it out there. You realize the, the power of connections, the power of relationships that you don't necessarily need to get anything from each other in the moment, but just building and fostering those connections and learning is the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Connor, before I forget, what did, what did you go to school for? Yeah. So when I applied to go, I was going to be a 
I guess like a general business major. I think I was pretty soft when I applied and then I switched to an education major. So I thought I was going to go be a teacher. Turns out I didn't really want to go through that curriculum. It really was, it was something that I'd been told I'd be good at and that I would potentially enjoy. But um, I had this passion that came out of high school. We did this, you know, a couple of different programs that I was a part of that was like, I love the business side of things. Like my dad had run his own business. He'd been a part of a number of organizations and I kind of got to see and, and talk to people within those spaces. And it just always fascinated me. And so I switched after that was my first year and going into my sophomore year, I went to a marketing major and I stuck that out throughout the rest of it. So really went down the marketing route and, and it's funny to see now my career has really leaned into that and it's not, it doesn't happen that way all the time, but now I've, like I was mentioning earlier, like I've started to get a more well-rounded approach to, to what I do. I see other aspects of the business, how honestly, how an organization is run. Um, but I'm answering your question. Yeah. I, I went to <laughs> my degree is in marketing, so I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, so does it make sense that from your childhood and I mean, you're still so young, but, um, and you had so many great, great experiences from what you've done so far, but does it make sense that this is what you're doing? You know, whether it was the way you grew up, the way you were brought up by your parents, their work, their influence on you, does it make sense that this is the line of work um, that would follow all that your childhood? Yeah, that is, that is a good one, John. That's, that's a question I should be asking more people too. It's, um, you know, I look back and the first thing that comes to mind is actually a conversation that happened a few weeks ago for me. Um, I was talking to an agency owner who's out in Australia. His name is Moby. And um, he asked me, like, what's the thing that gets you excited about work? And it's like, I've discovered this entrepreneurial spirit of like, I love like the startup feel like I love building something from scratch, building it to success and continuing to do that. And what I found recently is like, I find myself naturally navigating to want to do new things. And when I think about the way that I grew up, like I was always doing something different. Like I played sports throughout the year, but I tried to play as many different ones as you could. Um, I was always exploring like new things that I could be interested in, you know, anything from like, I want to play a new video game. I want to do new things. Like I'm always trying to explore and look for new things. And I would yeah. say what I've found was as I was working in, corporate and it's no knock to corporate like there's a lot of structure and a lot of positive things that come with it I was looking for the opportunity to like try something and when I went to that innovation team spurring new stuff it really told me like I love the idea of taking nothing and making it into something um, and so for where I am today like like I said we built this platform impact plus from nothing in 2019 and now looking back I mean, it's over three years later now um, to see where it's gotten to like I've loved every moment of building it, figuring it out, doing all the problem solving and, mm -hmm. and new ideas that come with that. I would say a hundred percent. It's, it's a really cool, like reflective moment. Now that you ask it is like, man, everything kind of built up in the way and you can see the, the principles or the things, the habits that allowed it to stand out and understand what your journey probably means for where your, your excitement is. And I'm sure it's always going to change and evolve too, as we go. Yeah. What for you, that curiosity, that exploration, like when you said you play different sports and that kind of ties into your, your curiosity of trying new things, you know, your innovation work now, where do you think that curiosity, did you see that in your parents? Did you see that in your community? Where do you think you picked that up where you wanted to try new things? And this may just be innate in who you are, 
but I'm curious if you had any examples of somebody that was just constantly experimenting with new things. Yeah, let me, you know, I think, I think the way growing up, my parents were always open to us doing things and, and wanting to try something different. Um, even, you know, I played baseball for 17 years of my life. Like it was like as early as I could walk, like I wanted to hold a ball and like diehard Yankees fan. You could probably see it behind me. I've got baseball pictures, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, but they always wanted us to try to explore stuff, but it was never because they wanted to find something we were really good at. They just wanted to see what we enjoyed and try mm. something different. You know, it was like, go do cross country, try soccer, do basketball, all of those things. And even for like, go read different kinds of books. Like something I discovered is like when I was younger, I wanted to read a lot of like sports books. I could read the sports newspaper more than I could go read like a fantasy book. And as you get older, you start trying different things. And like, there was a period of my life early when I joined impact that like, I just read business books, which is like very stereotypical for a younger career, like ambitious person in their career is to like, just dive into like business and personal development books and all that stuff. And what I found over time is like finding that variety of, of things is what keeps a lot of these habits alive. And, you know, it's a, it's a simple example, but I, I run a lot, John. And I guess this is to like capture it in the easiest way is like, if I just ran all the time, not only would I get bored of it, but like my body would mm. not enjoy it too. Like you just start to beat yourself down. And um, what I've discovered is like, I do cross training now. I go, I use our Peloton bike. I go play different sports. I played volleyball for a number of years. Like finding different things keeps not only like your energy high, but also allows you to explore something you may not expect. Um, and it keeps the opportunities open. You know, you don't get so funneled into something where you get sick yeah. of it and you can't get out. You can always just explore different things. And I think growing up, I always had the opportunity to do that if I wanted to. Yeah, I think I came across an article somewhere in the last couple of days about um, the science between diversifying what you're learning, learning different things at the same time and how that helps you in each. Yeah. Just from diversifying that. I mean, there's something to, to putting energy into something and then going somewhere else and recovering that energy. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's the mentality you have to have the specialty you have to have for that particular thing, it's, yeah, yeah it's like mental cross trading. I mean, you use the phrase yourself, like there's, yeah. there's, there's benefit to being able to step away and let your muscles recoup. Yeah. You know, maybe for something else, you're using a different set of, of muscle, uh, a system, but, mm -hmm. uh, there's just so much power in trying different things. I was just curious what that was, but yeah. that's great that your parents did instill that in you and it's yeah. awesome when it's not like you know you have to go do it or you yeah. have to be successful that it's like because i kind of find that with my kids now um i want to make sure that they're on that path to figuring out what makes them happy so yeah. it really is trial and error what you don't want to do that anymore that's absolutely fine i right. do want you to do something yeah. because i want you to learn about yourself i want you to be around other people you know give and take of working with groups, working with yourself, exploration. I think, you yeah. know, we had both used that word that it's key just to get out there and try new things. And especially with my kid, it's like, I want to set that mentality up now because I think obviously you're a great example of that. Sure. It'll set the tone for a good career later, good yeah. intention, good value for the community. Yeah. And, and to your point, like, and I'm no parenting expert. Like I, I can't speak to tell parents how to do their job. Like that's, that's a job I don't <laughs> hey, know listen, yet. And it's one listen, that I got three kids, me either. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, 
the thing that I think about is like your job is to make sure they're always trying something. If they say they don't want to do that, like let's help them find the next thing. Mm -hmm. And like, it's almost like being that resource, giving them something else to put their energy into. And it can look like a million different things. Um, but is like, as they get older, they'll probably naturally find that because of that nurturing, they're fine. They're doing it themselves. They're like, yeah. Oh, I'm, you know, it's as simple as like, they get that, they get that muscle memory from yeah. hearing me say it all the time. And it, you know, right. at a certain point you don't have to remind them. Hopefully I'm hoping that my kids get as curious as, uh, as you are. Um, just I because think I think right it's path, important. John. If I you're think, in the household, I, I think they're on the right track. You know what I mean? I just think it's very important for, for your own sanity. I don't want them following someone else's script. I want them following sure. their own and, and establishing their own path. So, um, yeah, I'll tell them that's what uncle Connor's doing. So that's what, uh, <laughs> I suggest they do Connor. I didn't, I don't think I asked you this in the, the first episode we did together. I don't know why this question wasn't included considering I'm a leadership coach, but what does leadership mean to you? I forget if I asked you that or not. Ooh, yeah, this is a good one. It's, um, you know, I think there's a couple, I don't know if I could put a definition to it, but there's like principles or, or things that come to mind. One, I think anyone can be a leader. And I think that's the difference. You know, I think for some people, leadership means management. And that's a huge distinct, you know, management's kind of like a requirement of the job. Like it's, it's a, it's in your job description. Like you will manage a team of people. Leadership mm -hmm. is everyone can step up and step into um, what they need to do. And there's a book that um, that maybe you can list out, but it's called impact players. And it's one of the, the principles within that book that I always think about for leadership is being able to step up and then step back. And there's the stories that it tells just to like break them down is, you know, a frontline employee in the wrong organization can get pushed down and told to just, you know, shut up and do your job. And in the right organization, at least in my eyes, is if they have the opportunity, if they're the right person to step up, showcase their skills and then go back, it allows them to grow and evolve. And I think that's a big part of leadership, too, is not only getting the opportunities, but when you have them like saying, I want to jump in, I want to support, I want to help. That's what leadership can look like. The other piece of of leadership is in my eyes, the ability to say the thing that does not everyone's willing to say. Mm. And I think there's not only a confidence within that, but also a, a need that we need to make the right decision. And leaders are willing to say the thing that's not comfortable and or in the best interest of others. And that can be, yeah. hey, I don't know if you're going to be the right fit at our organization. Hey, we need to cut a project that we're working on leaders are willing to do that and they're willing to accept the weight that that brings um, because poor leaders will either hide in their office or send an email with no context that says, Hey, you know, we're doing layoffs. And I look at a lot of the, the tech space and really everywhere nowadays, like we've seen layoffs the last six months at a rate that we are. It's very scary for a lot of people. Um, but yeah. the right leaders are the ones that step up and take ownership of it and say, this is a mistake on our part. They're willing to own the weight that comes with difficult decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the, the fact that you mentioned that they, they will mention, they will, they will speak out loud. What is tough to say that maybe yeah. no one else wants to say, but you, you marry that with the intention. Yeah. You know that it's not just the kind of gotcha thing. It's not an ego thing. Um, it's not a power trip, 
that they'll say something because it needs to be said. It's tough to say, but they have the best of intentions. Yeah. Yeah. When, when a room of 10 leaders are all sitting together and no one's willing to say that everything, everything that's in the back of your head, you know, there's a, Mm -hmm. there's a saying that impact uses. It's like, take the thing that's in the back of your head and put it in the front of your mouth and spit it out. And, and if, the right people will do that every time. And, and even if it's something that not everyone agrees with, sometimes leaders need to say it because if it's not said, it may not be something everyone's thinking about. <laughs> but from what I've learned, what I've seen, and in a way I like to say what I've done, if I'll cross my fingers, is when when the uncomfortable moment comes, the right leader is going to step up and, and say the thing that needs to be said in order to keep the group moving in the direction that it needs to. Yeah, I read uh, that book, Radical Candor. Yeah, with Kim Scott. Yeah, and I loved it because I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> she's she's part of my tribe. <laughs> um, and I think about where that honesty comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has a lot to do with saving time. Yeah. You know, if I'm, I'm sharing it with you or our group, I want to save you time. I, right. I swear to God, it's not just that I want to save myself time, but yeah. I want to save us time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Like I really, cause I'm the kind of person where if I'm thinking something, I say it. Yeah. Um, but it really is out of respect because I've, I've seen too many instances where people have the information, they have some insight, they have an opinion and they choose not to share it. And yeah. then even they themselves are, are working in the wrong direction for days, weeks, months, yeah. because they felt it wasn't their place to say something. And again, it goes all back to intention, but yeah. it's all about, I, for me, I, I try to trace it back. Okay, why am I why am I so damn honest sometimes? Where it really is respect, you know. Yeah. If if I if I'm thinking something about our team or about you, and I'm and I do it with tact or truth, you know, in yeah, the yeah. right way. If I can't say that to you, it means like I don't trust you. I don't trust That's the you word to I kind was of, thinking too. You know what yeah. I mean? So. So I love that you bring that up because I, I think it is powerful. And I think a lot of times people forfeit their best value because they're like, ah, should I say this or not? And they just kind of relinquish their power mm-hmm. um, and they lose, lose themselves to the job description, to the job instead of staying true to who they are and right. their thoughts. Right. You know, they should be professional with tact, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But that's part of who you are. So if you're leaving yeah. that outside, you're undermining yourself. Right. It's a culture conversation sometimes too. Um, to your point of yes. trust, like if people like to make decisions by committee, sometimes it can be hard to make the that moment happen. Um, but you bring up radical candor, you know, it's care personally and challenge directly is the way that they talk about how to truly be radically candid is you have to truly care for that person and their well-being and what they need to hear. And you need to challenge them directly. You don't want to beat around the bush. Like you, to your point, yes. you need to say it how it is and get yes. there, but also say it in a way that shows like, I care about you as a human being, as yes. a person. And I know that by saying this, it's going to help you, even if it's not the thing you probably want to hear. Yeah. And most of us have a good detector where mm-hmm. if, if we're the ones being told, right. we can tell if the person's saying it out of ego, out of spite, out of emotion, versus somebody that's looking you in the eye and saying, this is what I'm seeing. Right. You know, how can we move forward? Yeah. People ve- are very good at, at picking out what your intentions are. Um, so I, we got to give ourselves a lot of credit and others credit yeah. that if we share those honest insights that 
you know, as long as you're doing it the right way, they'll pick up on that and you guys can move forward in whatever the, the mission or the work right. is. Yeah, it's the difference between you suck at your job or you made a mistake, let's fix it. Like, or, you know, it's, it takes out the, it takes out the you suck part and it just says, how do we make this better? It's more about, it's more objective. It's more, yeah. about, you know, helping that person correct a mistake. Cause that's <laughs> usually where it lands is something poor happens or something great happens. You need to recognize the action that happened and it doesn't define the person that they are. Yes, exactly. Um, but exactly. in a way to that leadership conversation, like you could be a great person that stinks at the job and that's where leadership can come in and say, look, I love you like a brother, but for our business to succeed, you're probably not the right fit here. And leaders can deliver it that way. Maybe it's not word for word, but you get the idea. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want you to be successful in the role that you're in is an easy example of where leaders can really help someone find the role that they're excited about, the next thing that they want to do. Awesome. At this point, let's jump into the book. If you yeah. could, Connor, can you introduce the book, uh, You know, title, subtitle, whatever it may sure. be, an author, and then just tell us a little bit about how you came across the book and just kind of... Um, what made you want to read it, I guess, to start with? Sure. So the book is I Hear You, The Surprisingly Simple Skill Behind Extraordinary Relationships. Um, it's by Michael Sorensen. And it's a really short, quick book. I think that was, in a way, that was like the first <laughs> exciting part. It was like, it's like 80 pages. It's super small. But the way it even talks about it in the back of the book, like in the little, like you fold it open, the first little flap that it says is like, I wanted to cut out as much fluff as possible. And I wanted this book to be really clear, actionable and tactical and never lose the lessons that this book's about. Um, so as the title suggests, the book's a lot about relationship building and it's a lot about communication. And something that I've always struggled with is the mindset of like the solution giver. I think there's a better phrase for it, but the idea of someone comes with a problem, maybe they need to vent, maybe they're not sure what to do. And my initial reaction is to help them solve it. And this book was recommended to me by a friend who said, I am the same person as you. Every time that we talk to each other and we want to vent for 10 minutes, we always try to help each other figure it out versus allowing them to be in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds a little bit like meditative, but the thing that this book really focuses on is allowing people to experience their emotions and validate those emotions. Um, when I think about when people come to, and again, it's a lot of like personal relationships, personal examples, rather than the professional side, but it works in both was what I kept running into is, Hey, let me help you with that. And they say, that's not what I want. Like, I just want to talk to you about it. And most of the time in the same way, um, they know what the solution is and they just need to let that emotion exist. Um, and I think about it, like, you know, mindfulness, meditation, when you when you go meditate, which the book doesn't really talk about, but the principles kind of exist is, yeah, if you just try to push all the emotions away, they come back stronger. But if you allow them to be there and to pass, then it allows for solutions to happen. So when I came across this book, it was a lot about how can I be more helpful for people without saying that I need to fix their problems? Um, so that's how it was introduced to me. And I would say it not only resonated with that, but this book opened my eyes to a lot of different ways of just how to have better personal communication. Um, I know it's allowed me to be more supportive of my girlfriend, of my family. Um, but a lot in the, in the professional sense too, you know, I work facing a lot of customers. A lot of people come to me 
And how can I allow them to open their minds to when I can help them solve it? And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that too, the, the way yeah. that it structures it. Yeah. I mean, just based on that, um, it's tricky. It's tricky when somebody comes to you just because people are so different. Yeah. You know, so there may be somebody that comes to you and says they have an issue and they are looking for a solution. There may be somebody that, that, that comes to you and they say they have an issue and again, they just want you to listen and you don't know that from the get go. You don't know what type each person is at first. I mean, you may yeah. kind of you can get a sense of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's tricky just because there's so much nuance and personality and what people are looking for. Uh, I mean, obviously, especially with the last few years of just so much turmoil in the world and stress mm -hmm. and anxiety and, and people reaching out to each other for help and people listening. Uh, I found it myself tricky, you know, at what point in the listening do you step in and offer anything just yeah. because of that? It's, it's a journey. And I mean, each time that conversation starts with someone new, you're mm -hmm. learning as you go. I mean, there's yeah. there's no script, there's no cookie cutter um, process for that's going to work with every person you come in in contact with. Right? Yeah. You're. We talked about it earlier, and it's funny how words like this come up. Like curiosity is such a core component of this. Of someone comes to you, like try to learn a little bit more about it, and and the steps that. I hear you talks about is like validation is the key word of this, but curiosity is how you validate. Um, within validation, the first step is like identifying the emotion they're feeling. Are they sad? Are they frustrated? Are they aggressive? Whatever the word might be, mm -hmm. find the emotion and then justify that the motion is okay and allow them to say, I'm feeling mad because of all this. And then your response could be, yeah, I would be mad too. That sounds like it's really frustrating. And then you do a little follow-up question. And it's like, so what happened next? You keep them working yeah. through it. And, and, you know, there's a quote in the book and I actually, I pulled it up on the side because I want to make sure I got it word for word, but it comes back to like, you, just by validating, here's where they usually get to. Um, it says more often than not, people who vent or complain already know how to handle their current situation. They're just looking for someone to see <laughs> and appreciate their struggle. Yeah. And, and like that last part is so important. And that's where the validation piece comes in. Not only that they feel seen, yeah. but that you appreciate that they're feeling that way. Like when they feel like, yeah, I should feel that way. They feel like their shoulders can go down. They say, all right, good. I'm not like crazy. I'm not, you know, it allows their guard to go down. And to your point, John, that's when that guard goes down, that's when you can jump in and help solve it. Um, and the book is structured in a way where it actually takes you through how to do each step of that process of someone comes to you in a hurry and they say, John, I need to grab a cup of coffee. I got some things I got to get off my chest all the way to when they give you the, the opportunity to provide help because you can go through and validate all their emotions. And usually there's like this awkward silence if they don't say, can you, so what would you do? But when they're asking for help is the difference between John, I got to talk to you about this. Work's really been frustrating. And you say, why don't you try this? It's like, my guard's still up. I don't want to hear yeah. that right now. I just want to tell you about it. But once that guard goes down, either they will say, so how would you do this? And you know, you're in a performance coaching role. Like they may, you want to get them to that point where they're just asking like for your advice, for your experience. Um, and at the same time, that's when like, that's where the trickiness of all this comes in. Cause like you said, it's 
all unique. It's never going to be the same situation over and over. There isn't a formula to help people who are emotionally charged at that moment. Emotions are like the most uncontrollable thing. Mm. Like our, we have a two and a half year old border collie and boy, does she have a lot of emotions. Um, and we worked with a trainer for a little while and she said, emotions are the hardest thing to regulate in a human, not alone, like let alone a dog. And for us, like the goal can't be to move away from those emotions. You have to help someone work through them, mm -hmm. get to the state where they either, either they give you permission to ask a question or they ask you the question and say, how would you do it next? Yeah. Um, yeah. You just brought up so much, especially emotions. No, 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 no. I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a bad way. I sure. just mean everything is connected. Like every, yeah your experiences across the board. I mean, the books that we've talked about, the yeah. Marcus's book, the Adam Grant book, that speaks a lot to what you're saying here about trust, building sure. trust, asking questions. Yeah. Um, so it just all plays into each other. And yeah, when, when somebody, I think back to the, just the pandemic and everything that mm. everyone was going through, the stresses, the anxieties, mental health issues, conditions. Um, I had my own um, and it, it's all about, and I hesitate just because it's like, how do you pull an example when so many people were just all so unique in what we're looking yeah. for? Um, when you were talking about the venting session, I saw somebody on social media posted that she had a rough morning, but she called her sister just to vent and that felt good. And it's just amazing just to get that negative energy out of you. Yeah. Um, I haven't had one in a while just because I think I, I I'm at the point where it's like, things are going to be what they're going to be. <laughs> um, but there is something about getting that negative energy out, not at the person, but yeah, having someone bear witness to it, like yeah. you said, it makes you feel seen like you're not, not alone. Right. Connor, the book itself, how, how is it structured? You, you provided a little insight, a few steps about it, but how does the author set up the book to walk the reader through whatever path of information and, and growth they want them to experience? Yeah. The book breaks down kind of the flow of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So it, okay. it starts with a story about this experience, like a negative experience that happened where the author was approached and he tried to provide and he raised the stakes, right? He's like, here's how important it can be. And it was someone who was really going through a hard time was debating, not so happy endings, that kind of thing. And, and he did the wrong thing. And it's kind of what happened. And he said, like, that was a moment where I realize that's not how I want to communicate. It's not the emotions I want to feel, you know, it like ruined a relationship with someone. That's mm -hmm. the kind of stakes that he was wanted to ex express. And throughout, he doesn't break down that example, but he says, here's the first thing that happens. It's like, here's the approach. Here's where someone comes in. You can see emotions are high, whether it's tears, they've got smoke going out their ears, whatever it is. It's the emotions are high and it works through each section of that to get to the end state of de-escalation or whatever it might be. And, you know, the examples aren't as raised of stakes, but it's like you and your wife are having an argument, whatever it might be. And, and it's how do you allow that to, to happen and how do you work your way through it? And what I think is really cool about this book is it talks about all the challenges, the uniqueness of every situation too. So throughout each of these chapters, it's like, here's the ideal state that you wanted to go through. 
And here's what will probably actually happen. And it's very honest. It's very like, the only way to get better at this is to keep trying it and to mm -hmm. stick to the principles. And I think, you know, it, it covers a lot of different challenges that you'll come across in a, conversations like these, um, where the emotions are high. But the one that I always think back to is how he recommends addressing the I know how you're feeling statement. Um, and how do we get to a point where we feel comfortable to say something like that? Because you, you want to yeah. say it like, oh, I've been through something like that. Or yeah. you don't want to make it about yourself where it's like, oh, that's all you're going through. Imagine this. And it's my, you know, horror story. And how you navigate that is always the one that comes to mind because it's like, that can be a game changing moment in the conversation when someone says, you know, my wife and I are arguing or it, we'll use a, a work example like my manager made a decision I really disagree with. And it's like, imagine this. My manager just told me I got fired. So your story is irrelevant compared to mine. Like, yeah, it's it's like that kind of thing. But he talks through it in a way where you're like, OK, so by I can get to that point where I say, oh, I've been through something similar. You know, it's as simple as changing the phrasing. But sometimes it can be that like they never need to hear your experience. They just need to hear like, yeah, that really sucks. Like I could only imagine is the kind of language that you can use. Yeah. Um, but that's how the book is structured. It really takes you through each step. And that's what makes it rereadable for me. Like I'll reference <laughs> certain sections about it. And I just keep chuckling because one of my best friends, she and I are just texting all the time. And we're always commenting on workplace situations. Sure. We're very similar in sense of humor and sensibility, I guess. And um, we've talked about those kind of situations where maybe she had said, I'm telling somebody about somebody, uh, something, and they're coming back and telling me, oh, yeah, 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 this is what happened to happens me. And they all just, the time. They just hijacked the conversation. Yeah. Um, can you believe that? And then I was like, at one point, I think the other person started off by saying, oh, I've been through something similar. Here, I'll take the baton. Now the story is mine. Where I've said, I said to my friend, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to lie. Like sometimes... Uh, I do want to say that, but it's only so they know that I've been through the the, the situation, yeah. through the relationship, through the breakdown, whatever it may be. Yeah. So her and I, anytime we have issues and talk to each other, we have that um, that kind of sidebar. Yeah. Like if one is venting to the other, the other one says, OK, I'm just noting for the purposes. So, you know, I've I've been through something similar. And that's that's all I want to say is when I say I can imagine what you're going through, it's because I've had a similar situation cut back to you in the studio. Like now right. it's, it's back to being your story. Yeah. And we've clarified, and it's not about for us, not about one upping each other. It's not about, you know, making it about us, but that I think there, there obviously is some value to saying I have experienced that please yeah. go on something to that effect. Because if somebody's saying, Oh, I can imagine versus I can imagine because I've had a similar experience, but please go on something to that effect. Yeah. I think it's more powerful because obviously um, they can empathize a little more with you, but I, <laughs> that's the only reason I chuckled as you were saying yeah. that because I, I've had so many similar conversations where it wasn't a takeaway, but I want them to really understand that I've experienced something similar. So anything that I share with them comes from that pain that I felt or frustration whatever it may be. And it's the, you use the word empathy, like the, it's the balance of empathy and authority in that yes. conversation. Like for empathy, it's like, I totally hear what you're saying. Like it really stunks. Something similar happened to me, but I'd be curious what happened next for you. 
And then they kind of have the idea of like, they may want to ask a question like, so what did you do in your situation? Like that gives you the opportunity to share it in a way that's helping them, but also it could show a perspective that they need to hear of if they had I don't know, some work blow up or something. And you say, yeah, I've had something similar happen. And they say, so tell me about what you did. Like it just plants the seed to come back to if you need it versus, oh yeah, this happened. And then I did this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they never got <laughs> yeah. to the point of what they yeah. did. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, really uh, so from the point that we had that understanding where I, we, yeah. we said, okay, yeah. Okay. I could see it's not one upping. It's, it's, it's saying I, I've been through something similar so I can really relate from that point on, anytime she vents to me or I vent to her, it really is. It's like, okay, time out. Just want to let you know I've been through something similar. Okay, time yeah. back in, story's back yours. But, you know, and it all depends what kind of relationship you have with the person. You know, right. if it's somebody that it's a professional relationship, if it's somebody that it's a personal relationship like mine where we can be brutally honest and say, okay, I'm just stepping in for a moment just to say, yeah. okay, back, you know, story's back yours. But, we're just all so different, you know, it's so yeah. many different approaches, but I love the way that the way to learn is to listen more mm -hmm. because there is no, in general, there's no wrong amount of time to listen. I think we need to, <coughs> excuse me, we need to listen more to each other. People need to be more heard. I don't think people yeah. feel heard. And that's, I mean, now there's like this epidemic of loneliness in the world. So, yeah. you know, how well are people being seen? How strongly yeah. are they being heard? So I, I'm learning. I was much like you. I've gotten reamed out for somebody breaking down and me jumping in to try to say, no, 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 no. You're more valuable than that. You're more than that. And somebody, yeah. somebody else flew off the handle. That was the first time I heard about, you know, you have to give them space and this and that. And again, it's, it's you had mentioned that you try to, to solve problems. It's all about helping people. We, we, yeah. we don't have poor intentions, uh, but it's a learning process. It, right. it really is. So again, I think, you know, whatever amount of listing it takes to figure out where you can jump in or not, I don't think there is a wrong amount because I think we, we all need to be heard a little more. Yeah. And I think about, you know, from a, a coaching perspective, like professionally, like the pressures that some folks put on themselves, like, Sometimes our job is to just not in a way be like a, a therapist, but like to hear them and help them process it. Like when the more we can help them self-identify, the better off everyone's going to be because their self-identification is going to help them move forward versus letting themselves sit in it um, or letting them like sink deeper into it. You know, mm -hmm. you want them to keep moving forward in a way that's productive for them. Sometimes the best medicine is to just live in it for a few minutes. Like you said, Absolutely. Like, don't, you don't have to force your way forward, but you can say when you're ready, I'm here to help you move forward. And they may exactly. just say like, I know that you helped me recognize that this is the emotion I'm feeling. This is where I'm at. And it's not as formal as this. Like you yeah. ask, so how'd you feel after that? And they're like, I'm really pissed. And it's like, yeah. yeah, I would be pissed too. And they're like, great, thank you. Now what? <laughs> Yeah, what's great about coaching is that they do have that space to vent, especially yep. obviously professionals um, with leadership titles or those without that just want leadership coaching. It's good that they they can kind of sometimes it does happen where they vent in session and they don't have to take that home. They get it off yeah. their chest before they go home. Um, obviously, they don't want to vent at work necessarily. You know, they're, it's right. they're curious about who they can trust or not. So just to have again that trust with somebody to open up that way. Um, 
And I love the way that you bring up that sometimes they just have to stew in it. I think the worst thing that anybody can do is deny that they're feeling a certain way, trying to suppress it. Yeah. Or saying they shouldn't feel that way. Like that is the worst thing to say. Like you can feel however you want and you're entitled to feel that way. And our job is to not say you're wrong, but just say, it's totally cool to feel that way. It'll I feel. Happen. I think like if you feel a way, a certain way, it's justified from the get go. It's justified. Now, what are you going to do with it? Now, mm-hmm. how are you going to navigate through it? As much as as what you right. just said, um, Connor. So, how did you? What kind of change did you see in you after as you were reading this book? I can imagine if as you were going through reading the pages, chapters, what have you that subtle changes were being made in the way that you approach people or were approached or were yeah. listening. What kind of things did you notice in your behavior? Yeah, it was. So reading an 80 page book, you're like, there can't be that much in it. But I found that I had to go so slowly and focus on like one thing at a time for any progress to be made, which sounds very much like atomic habits or other things like work on a little thing and keep building on it. But I tried to do a lot at once. Like I tried to work through this whole conversation at one point and I was not good at it. And so what ended up happening was I uh-huh. still found it not only falling into old habits, but like for like it felt forced. It didn't feel supportive. It felt like I had a script. It felt like I knew what the next thing I was going to say was. And so what I did was step back and really my my initial focus was on that first interaction, that first moment where someone comes in with a problem. I wanted to get out of the I need to help them solve this. And so what I started to do, and it, it it took so much mental effort to recognize when it's like, because it's not a habit that I had. So you had to build it from scratch and building habits from scratch is hard. I would, I would do one of two things. If it was a work conversation, I had a number of sticky notes on my monitor on the side. I've got a second one over here that had like, ask a question that had (laughs) find the emotion it had whatever and it was like these constant reminders that i needed because if i didn't have it in front of me it wasn't naturally going to happen and as it started to happen more and more i could peel away one or i could but when i knew you know if i was going to go have a tough conversation with a direct report i wanted to have it there as like you are going to into a higher stakes conversation And your instincts are going to try to take over. So try Mm. to focus on that. So it was a lot of like, I need these little cheat (laughs) sheets to keep me there. And what started to happen was naturally I would ask questions first. And by asking questions, it engaged my brain to be curious again, instead of trying to be a problem solver. Um, Because I live to put out fires. Like I love that stuff. That's like a big part of my job is like really getting people to where they need to be as fast as possible. But going through this process, it can be as quick as 10 minutes. But by asking just a couple of questions, it can get to a deeper rooted thing. I think about there was a um, myself and a member of my team, her and I were just not clicking for whatever reason. There was a lot of other stuff going on. But the initial response we had was like, her and I don't connect. And like, we both got to that conclusion way too quickly. And so we stepped back pulled in the right people to kind of like help us level set back to where we could have a productive conversation. And it was like, and we got back to validating how each other feel. Like, I know you're really frustrated with how this transition's going. I'm also frustrated with it and we need to work together. And that moment is always the one that I look back and say like, this should have gone a lot differently. If we both just sat down and said like, how are you feeling? Why are you feeling? Like, take me through why you're feeling that way. What do you wish was different? 
How would you have approached this situation differently? Helping that reconnection, the second round was like a game changer because now we both work together like two peas in a pod. Like we are such a dream team that I'm so glad that we got to that point. But it was like you had to travel through the rough waters. And that's what this book talks a lot about too. Like you are not going to nail every interaction. Like more often than not, you know, it's like baseball. Like you're going to have a lot of times at bat where you're going to get out. And you gotta you gotta do those reps and you're gonna you know, adjust you, and you're gonna you use that word before better. the power of reps just the power yeah. of practice yeah that was the big one but that moment in particular is like the professional example i tell people about is like that it escalated so quickly because i didn't do the first part right and i just tried to either jump in or i didn't validate that like it was kind of the it was kind of a perfect storm of i tried to jump in and solve it which didn't empower her to do her job which made her feel frustrated, which I said, you don't really need to feel frustrated. I'm just trying to help. And it was just all these things that didn't go right. And then yeah. going back and saying, how would you approach this? And she said, I would go through this. And I say, what about this idea? And it it just brought it back to a level set. But that example was a big one for us. Yeah. You know, obviously it's a very different example. I'm going to go to the, the Adam Grant book real quick. It's a very sure. different yeah. example than that. But I mean, he gives a, the example of Daryl Davis the black jazz musician who's going through some area of the South that has KKK members. um, And a white guy approaches him after a gig and, and somehow they start talking and the guy says, yeah, I'm in the KKK. And then they sit down and they just have a conversation. Um, And to date, I think he's from conversations he's had with KKK uh, Nazi groups, racist groups, uh, members he's collected. They've, given over to him all their 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 um their their outfits and whatnot anything that has to do with the kkk they renounce it and they try to renounce they try to get their other friends and and partners to renounce their kind of memberships and their beliefs and it comes down to instead of reacting to what you see mm-hmm. daryl as a musician the guy as an audience member the guy having certain thoughts that he can share they mm-hmm. sit down and they they go through it or Daryl yeah. asks him, yeah, why is it you think that way? Please tell me what you're thinking. So, yeah. you know, it's a very different example, obviously, no, but, but it's it, a good it one. goes to what you're saying because we're so reactive. We try to trudge with the best of intentions through our relationships, business or otherwise to get to what, you know, you know, we want to get there. We all have the best of intentions. This is what I want to do. Please just trust me. Like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to get us there. But then obviously that clashes with another person's beliefs. And it's not until we sit down and and we ask each other, tell me about what you're thinking, what you see. It's just powerful. But we're just so we're just so zoned in and focused on just trudging through it, working as hard as we can with the best of intentions that we we don't stop to think about our thinking and and ask those questions. It can be to that point, too, like it's a pace thing as well. Like people want to move quickly. Mm. We want to solve problems quickly. And this forces you to slow down just a little bit. It's like, it's the difference between a two minute conversation and sometimes like a five to 10 minute conversation, but the outcomes that are from it, like it's a short-term fix versus a long-term solve. And, And I think when so many people have, you know, I think about like a sales example, like the easiest thing you can do in a sales call is, get to the next question. You like just want to keep moving forward, check the boxes, get off the call. 
But if you spend a couple of minutes with a frustrated CEO who wants to buy financial services, like you talked about earlier, like if they can get into like, why are we here today? Like, why is this important to you? When you ask really impactful questions, you get to the result that you want and you're building that relationship. You're building that rapport and that trust with each other right away. Connor, how would you, for somebody who maybe doesn't see um, or maybe thinks this book is tied to a specific industry or a specific mm. need, I, to me, I see the generality of its lessons, the transferability of its lessons. How would you, you know, in a few sentences, how would you summarize this? How would you try to sell this to somebody? Because I think this can benefit anybody. Yeah, um, I would agree. How would, how would you share that with somebody to convince them to check this book out? Yeah, I I would start off with like the way that I feel when I read this book for the first time. Like people need to be heard and the way that they're heard is all different. And for you, if you need the the quick and easy toolkit that's going to help you be a more empathetic and validating communicator, that's going to allow you to solve bigger problems quicker, but also build stronger relationships. This is the, the quick read that you probably need. I'd probably tweak it a little bit, but that's where I would try to get <laughs> to is it'd be really focused on how do you take high stakes conversations and help someone work through them without having to solve other people's problems? Maybe that's a better way of putting it. And it comes back to helping someone feel heard. Absolutely. I think that's just so powerful these days. Um, just people being seen, being heard. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I like about these conversations on this series is, you know, we all have the facades of LinkedIn, the headshot, the profile, the bio, all that stuff. We post on social media, we do our work, but there's something about these conversations where I can get to learn what people, how people got to what they're thinking. That's why I always ask, always ask, like the childhood question, where yeah. did you come from? What, what made you, what put you on that path? Because that gives you a sense for who the person is and why, yeah. you know? So it's not just Connor Delaney. It's not just this person, that person, their title, their work, great work, by the way, obviously, sure. but what is it that drove you? Cause then I think that that provides a relatability um, that's much more powerful just as, or much more powerful than, than obviously great credentials. Right. Everybody, everybody has everybody has a story, so I want to hear those. Totally. I love that, John. Connor, and wrapping up, is there anything you want to mention or share anything that I might have missed? I don't think so, John. I feel like we talked about a lot today and we got through, you know, I, I think the biggest piece of, of all of this is like building really strong relationships with people and the time that that takes and the trust that you build with it. You know, we talk, there's a lot of words that we shared today, empathy, yeah, curiosity, trust. trust. Yeah. Cur yeah. As all of those come up, like they all come together to create what we're all hoping for, which is strong personal relationships, strong professional relationships, and even stronger relationships with ourselves um, to put the, the deepness on it as we wrap up. Anything you want to share about impact, anything you may have uh, coming up like uh, this summer, anything at all? Sure. Yeah, we have. So we have a event that we're coming up in New Orleans. It's going to be October 2nd to the 4th. It's called Impact Live 2023. Um, and it's all going to be focused on anything from sales to communication, marketing. They Ask You Answer is going to be a big root of it. 
Um, that event just went live. It just got announced yesterday. So awesome. or a couple of days ago now. Um, so that that's the big event that's coming up in a few months time. Otherwise, Impact Plus is the the community where if you want to find me and find my face, um, that's what I'm going to be building and continuing to grow. And you can find it on our website at impactplus.com. All spelled out, all lowercase. Awesome, buddy. Thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure, John, as always. I always love these conversations. Absolutely. And again, the book that Connor shared with us today, I Hear You, The Surprisingly Simple Skill Behind Extraordinary Relationships by Michael Sorensen. If there's anything that I might have missed in this conversation, even though we've been at it for over an hour, there I can take this guy on tangents and down rabbit holes <laughs> talking about just different things. Just because everything's connected, let me know. I'll reach out to Connor, see if I can get a response. Um, additional insight from him just based on any questions that do come through. In the meantime, thank you for watching and listening, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Take care. Bye.